Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mav Sports Take. It is episode 60, your unmuzzled sports talk, focusing on the business of sports. A lot of what you hear about, but a lot that you don't. We're here to unravel the truth and bring it to you all. We want to th- say shout out and thank you to everybody that is out there in t- on the tw- in Twitterverse, coming from YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, wherever you're at, we do appreciate all the love and support that you give us on a weekly basis here, of course, at 8.30 Eastern time on a Tuesday. Now, we are live. We are interactive. If you want to throw a comment in the section, but we would really appreciate it. If you could like, share, subscribe, or rate this video rate this uh, podcast if you're on one of the podcast platforms including apple Podcasts, spotify and all your good stuff we work through everything and we're here to bring you some outstanding analysis we're going to talk 2022 quarterbacks david has gotten a little soft and is now allowing me to talk some 2022 nfl draft prospects ryan roberts here riseanddraft.com contributor creator joined by of course my good friend david turner 18-year scouting vet across the nfl CFL, and three straight Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers. Before I introduce our special guest for today, David, how are you, my friends? Doing well, and don't forget, if you want to go to our TikTok account, we're live on TikTok right now, as well as other social media. So come find us, join us, be interactive, send us some, uh, like Ryan said, send us some questions. We'll answer them as we're going through these 2022 quarterbacks in-depth analysis tonight for uh, anybody who is interested in what's coming out and who's coming out and where we might even see them getting picked since some of these NFL teams are taking a proverbial crap right now. They're going to be in position to uh, really uh, draft the next one up. Well, and to talk about this 2022 crop, of course, I mentioned risingdraft.com. I also want to plug real quick, Believe in NFL Draft Prospect Podcast, which is where my co-host here has joined the podcast with us. For the first time on a Tuesday night, Mr. Alex Gilstrap. Alex, how are you, buddy? Appreciate you. Man, no, appreciate y'all having me. I'm excited to be here. And about time, y'all, like you said at the top of the show, about time y'all talking 2022 draft. This is supposed to be year-round. What are we talking about until this point? You know what? I ban ban a lot of draft talk (laughs) because I want to talk about the business end, not just what every other podcast does. But you know what? I I think some, some positions are getting really interesting. They're getting really interesting, and I think, you know, the audience might want to hear our perspective, Ryan, you, myself, and other guests that we'll bring on about this draft class because the more I watch, 
the more in, in, interactive I'm getting with this stuff because I'm, you know, I'm doing the DFS stuff now and I'm betting <laughs> on the crap. I heard. Uh, I'm, I'm watching more film earlier and I'm getting pretty excited about some of these young players. Well, speaking of our audience, before we get heavy into the 2022 NFL draft talk, would you be a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching from from an expert in the field. Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we will work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for the recruiting process. With limited scholarships given each year, having a pointed recruiting plan helps our clients secure their opportunity to play collegiate football. We focus on your transcripts, your film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to those goals for 2022. Contact us today at Maverick Sports Consulting. We will be able to help you out. Check out all the packages, of course, at maverickSportsConsulting.com. So we're going to get right into 2022 NFL Draft Prospects. We want to cite four players at the top of this show. And then the second segment after our next break, we'll kind of bring a couple other guys to the table that each of us have kind of selected because it is a – let's phrase it right. This 2022 crop, we just saw five guys go in the first 15 picks of 2021, and there was a really talented quarterback class at the top. This class, there's talent. There absolutely is. But I think that we have seen the development not quite to the degree because of the COVID season. We saw you know, most players not this past offseason, the offseason before, didn't have an offseason, really. They had a very, um, very weird and just a lot of obstacles to say the least heading into the season. And then a lot of the players, especially PAC 12, big 10 related and FCS schools, maybe did not have a season at all or had a very abbreviated season. I think, you know, like Purdue, I think like played four games in the big 10, a lot of big 10 schools, PAC 12 schools were heavily affected. So the development of this class is not, I think up to what you usually see, but that being said, there's a lot of guys, a lot of depth and there is talent here. The question is, who is going to be the player that ascends to the top-ranked quarterback in the class? Because usually every year, or just about, we have a guy that's going to get drafted number one overall. Who is that guy right now? There's a plethora of opinions on that. So let's start with the guy. I was going to start with my favorite quarterback in the class, but I'm going to save him, David, because I know you love talking about him. Let's start with a different guy. Let's start with – Sure, the one I got all prepared, ready to talk about. Let's skip over him and go Yes, let's skip over him. Let's skip over <laughs> him. You gave, you gave me a little brief thoughts about this first guy. And if you would have asked most people, at least on the media side, if they would have said – if you would have said, who do you think is the favorite to be the first quarterback off the board in the summer heading into the fall, a lot of people would have said Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. And there is a reason for that. One, the kid has a – Nice skill set, especially for the modern NFL. The kid has a howitzer for an arm. He can throw from multiple platforms, multiple arm angles. And he's coming from the Lincoln-Riley system where we've seen guys like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, all starting quarterbacks in the NFL, all in very recent years. And he looks like, aside from maybe Kyler, might be the most talented of the quarterback class. So, Alex, you're the, you're the um, guest tonight. So I'll let you start here. Your thoughts so far of what you have seen from Spencer Rattler this season. Let's focus in on what you have seen as far as development. Yeah, make no mistake about it. I was one of those that were saw that if there were to be a quarterback that would transcend to being that surefire number one overall pick in this year's draft, it, for me it was Spencer Rattler coming into the season, and you touched on a couple of reasons why. Coming from the Oklahoma system tends to be favorable 
not only for draft stock, but for, you know, production and, and growth at the quarterback position over the last handful of years, as we've seen uh, with Baker Mayfield. And, and, and you mentioned Kyler Murray and then, of course, Jalen Hurts being taken in the second round. So combine that with the fact that he does have very, very good arm talent, uh, you know, can can get rid of the ball in a heartbeat, can make every uh, throw on the field, as well as the fact that in 2020 we saw him start to put together more consistent play as the year went on. We saw him start building on his natural skill set and started seeing a more well-rounded figure of work with Spencer Rattler. So putting all that into account, you know, I thought Spencer Rattler is going to come into the season and he's going to take the reins on this QB1. The biggest question for him that he would have to answer what I thought coming into the season was the personal stuff. Some people question attitude and and different things just because as a high school kid, obviously being on the QB1 series, uh, that's been kind of, um, you know, critically acclaimed over the last handful of years. So this year, Spencer Rattler, I would say, has probably been the biggest disappointment through five weeks of college football. Um you know, obviously coming in with those lofty expectations, there was a lot on his plate. Oklahoma returning a lot of talent, uh, not only on the offensive side of the football with Spencer Rattler, but the defensive side of the football. We thought Oklahoma, at, you know, just as uh, as college football fans thought Oklahoma was about to take that next step. Alabama seemingly losing a lot of talent. Oklahoma, we thought with Spencer Rattler was going to transcend. And he hasn't been able to take that talent that they have, that they were able to retain from 2020 and take that next step. And I think that's the biggest question mark uh, for me from what I've seen to him to this point is he hasn't been able to elevate the level of play from the playmakers around him. Uh, you know, obviously bringing in, you know, running back Eric Gray, who I was really high on from Tennessee transfer, uh, who I think was a top three running back coming into the year. Uh, obviously Oklahoma's always going to have wide receiver talent. Austin Stogner at tight end, someone we really like, and, and a plethora of uh, offensive line NFL draft prospects, especially on the interior. So, there's a yep. lot of talent to be had, and we just felt like this offense really hasn't gotten going, and that's something that you don't typically see from Oklahoma. So I, I, going into this year, I was hoping that he would be the transcendent piece in this year's offense to make Oklahoma take that next step, and honestly, I feel like he's been the biggest holding back point uh, to this point. So big disappointment. I feel like he's been inconsistent as a pocket pre- you know, as a pocket manager, obviously, off his back foot, doesn't handle pressure well. We've seen some of the things that we've seen as him as a young quarterback leading up to this point. Doesn't seem like it's been uh, much development in that area. So we're still looking for that, and there's a lot of holes in his game. The natural talent is something that's never going to go away. It's something that we've touched on over the summer. It's just the consistency, the decision-making, and the ability to hold down the fort as as a pocket passer, especially as someone who – has underwhelming athleticism for what I had expectations for. I think the one key thing that you mentioned and you kind of started off was the fact of like, hey, the the biggest questions was not talent. And you assumed that Lincoln Riley was going to make him take the next step. It was the arrogance that you saw. But I think his biggest issue, honestly, as a player is arrogance on the football field with his arm. Because he has just been a guy, in my opinion, and this is partly speculation, I would guess that he has been a guy for the longest time now that has been able to make any throw that he could from junior high to high school, like JV, varsity, like wherever he was playing, he was a guy that was so physically gifted that he could squeeze most balls into tight windows and he could make some ridiculous throws on those levels. Now that this game is getting a little faster, there's designing coverages. He has now gotten to the point where sometimes 
he focuses in on that first read, and no matter what it looks like, he thinks that he can make the throw. So I think arrogance on the field might be the biggest um, big hindrance to him so far. David, how much have you seen of Spencer Rattler? Some maybe early indications from you as a prospect. Obviously, he has a lot working for him, but it just hasn't seemed to come together this year. Well, because he's terrible. Oh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get it out on the let's get it out there. I mean, if you really go and digest the numbers, are inflated. He supposedly has five touchdowns on the year with only four or, or ten touchdowns on the year with only four interceptions, but five of those came against Western Carolina. So if you look at the rest of the games, how they played. How dare five. you? How dare you insult Western Carolina on the podcast? I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying. That's a name, right? Just Catamounts? saying. I don't know. Saying, yeah, I'm and, you know, and then you just go into his numbers a little bit further. And because of the system they run, he's yes, he's over 70% completion rate. Yes, he's got, you know, 10 touchdowns and four interceptions, but he only has five touchdowns in the rest of the games throwing the ball. And for and all four of those interceptions came in the other five games, not that Western Carolina game where he was off the charts. So when you start looking at level of competition where he's successful, is he playing up to the level of competition or down? And, again, I don't believe they've really been tested too hard just yet. You know, and that's not a slight for the teams they played. It really is just that I think there's tougher teams out there, and he's going to have trouble. When I watch Spencer play, I question if he really understands how to read a defense, which I question most young quarterbacks on. But for him, when I'm watching him play – he, he's got one, two read, and then he tries to run. He's scrambling around. I don't see him really taking the next step to the next level and getting that third read in, understanding, you know, when a blitz is coming, where to throw the ball. He's often throwing the ball to the wrong receiver when the blitz is coming from a certain angle, a certain way. So, you know, I was looking at his numbers last year a little bit too before we came on. He was much better against tougher competition, I think, last year. And, you know, you guys can comment on why you think that is. But I think so far this year, the, you know, the numbers are inflated. He seems to be a little bit more trigger happy, you know, just confused out there, maybe. You know, uh, it just doesn't, he's not settled in. He's not been the player that we I saw a little bit of last year and was excited about. And it sounds like Alex was the same way based on last year's tape. You know, we had some excitement this year so far. Again, it's just been average at best. And, you know, again, you're not trying to kill a kid midseason. He's got a lot of games to go. But, you know, again, the numbers are underwhelming. The, uh, the playmaking ability even. You know, I, I haven't seen a lot of good throws in critical times. You know, you know, and the – Couple times he just heaved it up and his receivers have saved his ass. You know, they went up and got it for him and, and plucked it out of the air. So that's not something that I look for. I look for quarterbacks that in college are like Drew Brees that can place the ball in tough windows, tight windows, throw their receivers open because those windows get even tighter in the NFL. Those those windows get even, you know, harder to fit balls in in the NFL. So if you can't do it at the college level, it's really hard to go to, go to bad that you're going to be able to do that at the next level. You know, the biggest thing that was a surprise to me is, you know, Lincoln Riley obviously has a big reputation as an offensive mind, and he's one of the better, you know, offensive play callers in all of college football. I was excited about Spencer Rattler in year two, mostly because we have seen guys like Baker Mayfield transfer. 
We have seen guys like Kyler Murray transfer. We have seen guys like Jalen Hurts transfer. And they haven't had a long period of time with Lincoln. They haven't worked with him for – I mean, I think Baker ended up having three years after he transferred over from Texas Tech. But Kyler played one year at Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts played one year of Oklahoma. And seeing the development of those guys in just a year was really exciting. And I was happy to see because we hadn't seen a transfer quarterback come to Oklahoma. We had, But this was the first time that Lincoln Riley got his guy from high school, had three years with them, and developed him from the ground up. So I assumed going into the second year as a starter that the development would be substantial. And it has not been. It has not been to this point. So don't want to harp on him too much. The Palin's definitely there, but he is not – hit his expectations going into the season. Real quick before we move on, David, let's do a a little bit of a predictor, early predictor. So I'm not going to hold this to you because a lot of things can change. What is the window of draft slots, you think? For me, I think that Spencer still has the talent where in this questionable quarterback class, he could be a top five pick. I also think that he could fall probably into the late first. I do not think that this is a kid that is going to fall into the second. I don't think it's going to happen. For you, what what window do you see for a guy like Rattler? Based on this year's tape, I wouldn't take him in the first. Okay. You know, last year's tape, I would I would have been right there between – I probably would have been between 10 and 25 for mm-hmm. him. But this year, on this year's tape, if I'm grading just this year's tape, yeah. um, I would have to take him in the second round, okay. you know. And I would, I would probably not even take him in the top 10 picks in the second round right now. I think he's just outside that top 42. He's somewhere between 43 – to 65 like right in there okay that's fair that's fair but he's um, got the red river rivalry this weekend then he goes yep. up against dcu he still has baylor time. and oklahoma state to go again he can flip it around and go so yeah and i was gonna say he's only a richard sophomore too so like maybe he comes back for another season who knows what the, what the ultimate decider is there alex you're real quick your what is your window you think for him? yeah yeah like david said if the draft for tomorrow, it would be in the middle of the second round. Um, however, projecting forward, obviously has a lot of games left to go. Y'all touched on that. Uh, I do suspect he starts to turn it on a little bit more, giving you a little bit more glimpse, teasing you a little bit of what he could be. And I think he ends up being a mid-first round pick when it's all. Hey, this ain't a strip tease, you know. We ain't about teasing. <laughs> you know, you are what you are out here. I'm not about teasing, especially at the quarterback spot. <laughs> Well, all I'll say is I still think that in a quarterback-driven league with what the quarterback class looks like right now, I still would have a hard time seeing him come out of the first round just because I think that quarterbacks always get pushed up. And I will say, just for context, David talked about the season last year being better. I only had a mid-second round raw grade on him. Okay, well, That's obviously without positional value. That's without a bump. But I would agree. Like Last year was good. There was a lot of good stuff to, to get excited about. But even last year wasn't perfect. So we need to see maturation. Spencer Rattler, I want to move on to a guy that I have right now as my top-rated quarterback in the class, top-rated quarterback in the summer. And again, to kind of just put into perspective what type of quarterback class I think that this is, I think there's a lot of depth. I think there's a lot of guys that I graded with day two grades, second and third round grades. But there was only one quarterback that I graded with a first-round grade, and this was a late first round. So it's not even like I'm saying that this is a you know blue-chip type prospect. Talking about Carson Strong, from Nevada, I can, ladies and gentlemen, let, I let me just say he's got a heartthrob, and it's Carson Strong. Okay, let me just interrupt real quick. It, he he's been talking Carson Strong to me for about seven months already. So 
Just and be- my love for him looks pretty decent right now, Dave, because he might be the first quarterback taken when it's all said and done. I'm not yeah. doubting you, but don't play down how much you love this kid because Fine. you love him. Fine. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to introduce him and the things that I like about him. I'm going to kick it to you, and then we'll get Alex's feedback on it. You ready for this? So, Carson Strong. Um, I got my first glimpse of him in 2019 when he was a redshirt freshman. Um, the, the stats that year were not phenomenal. But if you watch that tape, like – that he was doing a lot of good stuff with a pretty bad offense. Uh, that was a young group. It was not great, but he made some throws. He made this one inside vert. It was like an inside vert, an inside seam, where he threw this ball literally over a linebacker in between two high safeties right in the hole, in the, in the mid-hole. And I'm telling you, man, this thing had some mustard on it, and he put it in the absolute perfect spot. Uh, I think it was Caleb Fossum who caught the football. And from that throw, I was hooked, man. Because then you just see all the good stuff. And then you saw 2020 burst, brother. Like, huge bump in production. Huge bump in confidence as a passer. And I would say this. Out of any quarterback that I've seen in the class so far, the freedom that he has at the line of scrimmage to set protections and change plays is above anybody. I think that they give, they put the most on his plate. And I think he's the smartest. And I think that he responds best to pre-snap, to post-snap. And I think that there's unteachables when you're talking about natural arm strength. He is your traditional pocket passer, but I think that he moves well in the pocket. I don't think that he's a debilitating talent. Like I put this on Twitter the other day. There's a big difference between mobility and pocket mobility. And he has pocket mobility. He navigates well. He navigates very well. And he has a good arm, a plus arm. I wouldn't even say good. He has a plus arm. He can touch all levels of the field. He still is kind of regulating his touch to the deeper, um, to the vertical plane of the field. But you see flashes of fantastic deep ball timing, rhythm pass, or gets the ball out quick. And in this system where it used to be like, wow, you run the air raid, that's like a no, 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 no. We don't do that in the NFL. It's now becoming very accepted. It's now becoming a thing where more and more teams are adopting principles. And of course, his head, co- his uh, offense coordinator, excuse me is Matt Mummy, who is the son of Hal Mummy, who him and Mike Leach back in the day, they're basically the godfathers of the air raid system. So, love Carson Strong. David, go ahead and make fun of me. I didn't I didn't think Mummy was coming on tonight. I thought we were going to save that for the Halloween show. But okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'll be with you. I watched two Nevada games so far this year. And, you know, what, what I liked about – what I'm liking about him is how his timing is, getting the ball out getting the ball out on time. Get, and when the ball placement's there, his receivers aren't having to bail them, him out. He's putting ball placement right on his receivers. I see more drops for this guy than I do other quarterbacks we're going to talk about tonight. I mean, he really puts the ball on guys, and they drop it. And it's, it, it drives me nuts as you know, because, I mean, this guy does all the right stuff, and then his, his receivers just are letting him down by letting go of the ball when it gets there. So that that disappoints me because obviously that messes with his numbers. So when people hear the show tonight, they go look at the numbers. They're going to be like, what? what? Watch the game. This is one where as a scout, you got to watch the tape and be like, okay, that was an incompletion. But the way I used to chart quarterbacks, that incompletion, that I would go in a different color. It would have been a green instead of a red incompletion because that was one that got dropped. You know what I mean? Sure. And so – for me, I always color-coded my charting and stuff just ways so when I added stuff up, I knew what the real numbers were 
with good throws, bad throws, rollouts, stuff like that. And like Ryan was saying, this kid can roll out of the pocket. He's not going to beat you with his legs, but he can still roll out. He, he throws well on the move. He has really good motor, uh, lower body mechanics when he's throwing the ball on the run, when he's hitching up in the pocket, when he's working the pocket side to side. He's got very good lower body mechanics. This was something I can't say about a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, most quarterbacks are very terrible. And I'm not even saying yeah. poor. I'm saying terrible lower body mechanics when they're coming out of college. Carson seems to have really figured it out and worked it hard. Um, he's got good lower body mechanics. Again, that's where a lot of his power is generated from. I really want to see that uh, November 23rd game against Fresno State. I think Fresno State's defense is pretty good. He's going to be under some fire. They got a really good rush up front. So I want to see how he works the pocket against them, as well as the San Diego State and San Jose State games a little bit later in the season. Um, let's see how he gets through that run. But right now, I, I mean, I love his arm strength. I love his arm talent. He throws from different levels. And you know what? He has touch as well as arm strength. So this is a kid that really seems to have worked his uh, craft a lot for being such a young man. Yeah. I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say the production's been great. And I think that the biggest thing for me is that he's played two um, FBS schools, including an upset win over Cal this year. And he's played really well. He's been the catalyst in those games. So just a little bit of context, even despite playing for Nevada, he is still playing when he's played against good competition. He has showed up and played well. So sorry. Well, against Cal and and Kansas state, he's he's shown up and played well. And again, they lost the K state game, but they won the Cal game. Like you said, they're sitting at three and one right now. No, that goes to it. That goes to a point I was going to make, which was, you know, the biggest stepping stone for him. And what, what we've seen throughout his career is the game has really slowed down for him. I think, this kid's really got it, you know, in between the ears. And you saw that when the game sped up, when you're playing teams like Cal and Kansas State, when the defenses are a lot more talented, he seemed to still be able to process things. Like like David said, play with timing, which has been so he's done so well this year. Uh, you know, be able to put things in between in between defenders and zone covers. Like these are the type of things uh, that you like to see from a mental aspect and a timing aspect and anticipation aspect at the quarterback position that we don't see a lot. Uh, from college quarterbacks, you know, transitioning to the next level. So to get a kid with the with the natural talent that Carson Strong has from an arm talent perspective, to be able to kind of have it between the ears. Ryan, you touched on his ability at the line of scrimmage. You know, yep. they ask him with tech, checking plays at the line of scrimmage, changing prote- protections. That just goes to show the confidence that this coaching staff has in him to run this offense as the leader of this offense more so than most of these quarterbacks, if not all of these quarterbacks in this year's class, uh, or what we believe to be the 2022 quarterback class. So I think, you know, the, obviously the, the physical talents there, we, we've touched on that forever, it feels like. He, this guy can make every throw. I feel like if you take all five games to this point, you can take at least two or three two or three throws on his tape and say, that's an NFL throw. And, and I think we've seen that on the Twitter timeline especially. So um, Carson Strong, physical talents there, and I think the mental aspect of the position, the pocket presence, that has all gotten stronger, no pun intended, as he has uh, grown into his role at the University of Nevada. No pun intended, but it fit right in there. It did, it really did. I mean, that was that was a good Mel Kuyper like throw in right there. Not <laughs> only does he look like Mel Kuyper, guys, he talks like Mel Kuyper. Oh, oh, oh. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Hair. Dude, I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about, hey, I, it's just, just hair envy. Just hair envy. <laughs> it's just hair envy. Uh, David's remembering 1978 right now when he had hair. 
<laughs> when I came out the womb, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's move on to the next guy. Let's move on to the uh, next quarter. You're not going to ask predictions about. on strong? Oh. You're just going to go right by that? Sorry, wow. Okay. Okay. I'll start, I'll start. I'll go over to Alex, and then we'll go back to David since he's talking shit. Smack. Can I say shit on there? There it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, We're on right, Muslim, Carson, fucker. Carson Strong, I think that his, his window is first overall selection. If there is a, and I've heard whispers of some recurring issue with his knee, if there is an issue with his knee, then I do think that there is a possibility that he could fall into the second round. That that is that is very dependent on what the knee looks like when they get to the medical checks. I don't I don't know. I can't put any info out there. I honestly do not know. If I knew, I would let you all know. But I will say, number one overall pick down to the second round would be my window, Alex. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's there would be no surprise for me if he becomes the number one quarterback in this year's class, and for that reason, automatically he could be number one overall, like you yeah. said. Um, and then and then like you said, if 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 something were to happen in the second half of the season, uh, you know, David touched on a couple of the stronger opponents as we near closer to the end of the season, go into bowl season, he could face a stronger defense. If you start to see struggles there, knee could be a question. I see the the top to middle of the second round being the floor. I think uh, some of the, one of those teams that don't want to invest in the this year's class at the top because they just don't see the strength. Somewhat, you know, teams like the Atlanta Falcons, uh, for instance, uh, that that may not see the value in taking one in the the top ten may get them in the uh, top of the second. That would be a good fit, Atlanta. I, would uh, say. I know I'm preaching it. Let's just keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, your prediction. Uh, well, again, I don't know if I can give him the top overall pick because Jacksonville and Detroit are like really, you know, trying hard to get right. well, that. Let's assume, let's assume that Houston gets it somehow. Let's assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I mean, what I was going to say is if the way the draft order is falling right now, you got Jacksonville, Detroit, probably Houston, Indianapolis, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and uh, Atlanta all vying for the top, those top positions and the New York Giants are sitting there with the Jets and Dolphins as well. But, you know, those are all the one-win teams. Yeah, that's a lot of only one-win teams. But, lot. yeah, I know. But the Ofer teams are Detroit and uh, the Rams. I honestly don't see this Rams. kid. Rams. I'm sorry, Liar. not the Rams. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Falcons. <laughs> sorry. It's Detroit Lions and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, but I don't see this kid getting out of top ten right now. I mean – to be honest with you, the sorry sacks that got drafted this year in the top 15 were, were, weren't as talented as this kid. You know, the number one overall pick last year for, for Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, I liked, you know, I liked him a lot. I thought all the other quarterbacks had holes and question marks in their game, and they still went top 10. So unless this kid's knee is just completely arthritic, where they're just like, you know, I'm being honest. I mean, we've yeah. seen it. I've seen players go into the draft process and – the knees get looked at or the shoulders and they're like, Oh no, 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 no. And they're just like, you can't do it. You know? And unless it's something like that, this kid's going to be a top 10 pick. And I would be baffled. I mean, absolutely baffled if say the Indianapolis Colts end the year with a top 10 pick and this guy's not a Colt. Like that would just be baffling to me. Um, you know, cause this, this is a, an, again, their kind of player, Ed Dodds and, and um, them, I mean, they typically like going to bigger schools, but this kind of player, I mean, Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds would do their homework, and I think that this would be their guy. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they saw Carson Wentz, though, so we'll see uh, how that works. Yeah, but Wentz is always hurt, and he sucks. Uh, I mean, I've been saying he sucks for years. Since he came out of freaking school, I've said he sucked, and he still sucks. So, you know, whatever. And if if you're going to hate on me, feel free, but he sucks. All right, all right. Anyway, uh, maybe a player that doesn't suck, possibly. I don't know. I'm not a big fan, but Sam Howell, North Carolina. Um, Let's go here. He was originally committed to Florida State, and then a uh, coaching change happened. They miss Haggart left, and uh, he decided to go now to North Carolina. And he has been very productive um, over his first two seasons. Um, he's had a little bit of a downtick this year, but, I mean, of course, he lost De'Ami Brown, Daz Newsom, Javonta Williams, Michael Carter, a whole lot of talents that was, that was lost uh, this past off season, uh, especially for North Carolina, that is still rebuilding. They have some players in place, but the Downs kid looks pretty nice, the young receiver. But still, it's a lot of Downs turnover. is fucking special, bro. I know Woo! that's still that's still a lot Woo! of turnover in one off season. Can I get a little Rick there on Downs? Woo! I've always seen Downs in you know live viewing, so I'll let you know how I feel about him. I think he's only a sophomore too, so I'll let you know how I feel about him. Oh, kid, that boy can play some football. All right, man. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over to you then in a second, so you can talk about his quarterback <laughs> Sam Howell. So I was trying to say is he is a guy that has been comped a lot frequently to Baker Mayfield a lot, and stylistically, I see it a little bit. Like I think body type wise, I think arm talent wise, like it's similar. I don't think that he's quite as quick a processor as Baker Mayfield is. I don't. Th- I think that the accuracy is good, though. I think he's a good accuracy. I just think he's late a lot. I think that he doesn't see some things post snap, and I don't think he's the most physically gifted. I think he's, you know, I think he's, I think he's satisfactory in every spot. But I would not say that there's anything about Sam Howell that says special. I think he's a tough runner. I think he's a solid athlete. I think his arm is solid, NFL caliber. I don't think it's plus in any area. David, do you agree, disagree? Am I, am I an idiot? You can go for it, brother. No, but the second overall pick this year wasn't anything special, and he still went number two overall to the Jets. So whatever. I guess we don't really you know, care about that kind of crap anymore. He's a little more you know? athletic than Sam Howell. Just, he's a spoiled brat. I don't even. He's got no – I'm sorry. I, I'm not. Jets fans, feel free. Let's go. Hit me up. Go after me. Let's go. But that boy was a mistake. You, your quarterback nearly beat the Dallas Cowboys this week uh, over there, and uh, you know with Carolina. So you know it's like that's just the way that goes. Um, but understand this: when I look at Sam Howell, I like him a lot. I think the the trigger is is live with him. I don't understand the accuracy issues. Now I you know when I say that it's because the completion percentage is only sixty two percent this year. Last year was sixty eight percent, even with all the talent. Can I interject? Just a little context to the completion percentage a little bit. They're running the Phil Longo offense, which is basically air raid spread, a lot of vertical shots outside. So when you're taking a lot of deep shots, it's going to take the completion percentage down a little bit. So just a little context. Right. But all I was going to say is that last year, even with all the talent, he was 68%, right? Yeah. I, I still would like him to be up at just and it's a mar- small margin here, but like 70 to 72%, even with the offense. Uh, just a few more completions each week, you know. But what I like about this kid is he came out week one against Virginia Tech. They got the L laid on him, and he threw three interceptions that week, okay? Three interceptions week one. Since that, in the next four games, only one interception, and that was against Virginia. 
and I think it was a I think it was a, a, a receiver fell down if I remember because I was watching that game. Um, but that all being said, you know this kid. I think he has a good understanding of the offense. I don't think he has the most talented team around him this year, but he's throwing like against Virginia five five touchdowns against Duke three against uh, Georgia Tech two against Georgia State three. I mean, this kid for this year alone, he's already thrown 14 passing touchdowns. 13 of them have come in four games. It's a guy who competes his ass off. And I think that's why he gets compared to Baker a lot because these guys compete their ass off. The team seems to follow him. You know, when he pumps his fist, like the whole sidelines go crazy and they love him. So, you know, those are those are the intangibles that I, I see that are Baker-esque kind of uh, comparisons. Um, I don't think he has the arm strength like Baker does, and I don't think he's he's got the uh, overall command of the ball like Baker does coming out. But this is a kid I do like a lot. I, I think he's gritty, and I think with the right coach, like you know a Stefanski or someone like that, the next level, this could could have this kid could have a really good career. Yeah, and I think I think he one thing I really do like about Sam Howell is everything he throws, he throws with conviction. When he mm-hmm. decides to throw a football. That thing is out of there, and there is no second guessing it. But the problem is that sometimes he doesn't really see post snap as well as he does pre snap. So I'll just put that there. If his first read is covered, sometimes it gets a little caught into his moving into his second. Alex, I can't remember. Were you a, were you a Howell fan when we talked about him this summer? I really can't remember. I, I had him at QB five, which I guess is lower than consensus coming into the year because I think he was yeah. consensus top two, top three guys. So. For me, what, what really stood out for Sam Howell over the summer, and obviously nothing's changed in this respect, is I think he's, from a physical standpoint, you kind of touched on this, Ryan, is he's always going to be replaceable. There's always going to be someone that's at least on par with him as far as his uh, physical gifts. And I know you can't, you can't replace leadership. You can't replace you know, that tenacity, that, that gamer mentality. I hate to throw that term in there. I hate that. It's so cringy. But – uh, you, you you can't replace those aspects and those intangibles in his game, and I think that's where some of the excitement around Sam Howell comes from is 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 just that. Like you like you said, David, you know, comparing him to Baker Mayfield and the, kind of how their intangibles are related as far as the command of the offense, command of the the locker room, and how strong that is. So I think that's that's always a plus in his book, and will always be a check mark in his in his evaluation. Um, but I think. Really, what we wanted to see coming into this year, obviously losing all the talent on the offensive side of the football that they lost, is for him to be able to sustain that level of play in 2021 by himself. You know, this is year three. You know, he's supposed to be this top three, top five pick. You know, we want to see him be able to do it without all the NFL talent around him. And, and you know, you have a good offensive mind um, in that offense. You know, you have a good offensive system to, to succeed. And I just feel like we haven't really seen him take that, you know, propel and take that step forward. Kind of similar to Spencer Rattler, except I feel like Spencer Rattler has been a little bit more detrimental than he was last year. I feel like Sam Howell just really hasn't taken that next step. He's kind of sitting where he was. Uh, but, of course, having, you know, being without that NFL talent that he had in 2020 has led to, to more struggles than we saw a year prior. And shout out to Alex's cat. I, I heard it in the background, but uh, we will move on from Alex's cat for a second. Um, all right, so let's talk it out a little bit. Uh, David kind of said his piece. I said my piece. Alex said his piece. So we're going to predict outcomes. I think I've led both the last two. So, David, 
How high can Sam Howell go? What is the floor for Sam Howell's draft projection? Ooh, you know, that's going to be a tough one for me because he's not my style of quarterback. Everybody knows that. I love the gritty guys, but I like taller, stronger-armed quarterbacks. So for me, this wouldn't be my necessarily best pick, you know, unless my, he fit my system with my, my coach. Um, but again, looking at the, the people at the top of the draft, how many of them need quarterbacks right now? I mean, I can't I, – I have a hard time putting a top 15 grade on this kid. I think if he goes first round, it's like around 25. And, you know, I, I'm more comfortable putting a second-round grade on him. You know, I'm very comfortable in the second round. And in the second round, you know, before pick 50, I think he's a top 50 guy. But with the way the draft went last year and what, what, how many of these teams are going to need quarterbacks this year, which it looks yeah. like, I wouldn't surprise him if he went top top 10 or 12, you know, just because of need and, yeah. and, and, the, and the draft class at quarterback. You know, and I think he'll kill all the postseason interviews. I really do. I think this kid's charisma, uh, you know, the way he can represent the team, the organization, you know, the way he goes out there and talks to the media afterwards. He's a kid that definitely, <clears throat> I think, a lot of organizations and are going to fall in love with him afterwards. So that wouldn't surprise me, top 12. But, I, I mean, as a scout, I would have to put a grade on him somewhere around probably 28 to 50. Okay. Yeah, well, I would say I was I was looking at Blesto or NFS the other day going into the season, and they actually had how great it as a first-round prospect. I think it was more late first, um, just kind of for context a little bit. I will say my window, I think that he could be anywhere from 15 to 25, somewhere in that bracket, I think. Because honestly, like, would I be comfortable taking him there? Not necessarily, but if Mac Jones could go 15th overall, why can't Sam Howell, in my opinion? No, I agree with you. And again, the need is there. I just, right. I just, uh, again, if I'm, if I'm grading for my old school ways, you know, but, you know. I'm a harsh grader on quarterbacks, too, I will say. I gave Sam Hill actually a late two in the summer, which I think was a lot lower than most people. So I would just say I think there's limitations to him. But I think the realistic, if I'm if I'm predicting the outcome today, I think top 15 is possible. I think at worst we're talking early second round. But I, ultimately, I do think he goes in the first round just because I think he's well-received around the league. And I think that he brings intangibles and a good baseline to be a good quarterback at the next level. Is he going to be a transcendent quarterback where, like, he can really elevate everyone around him? I don't think so. But in a good system, under a good coach, I know you mentioned Stefanski, like, under a guy like that, an uh, offensive-minded guy, maybe an Arthur Smith in Atlanta, maybe, like, those types of dudes. I think Washington football team. Washington football team would not be a bad spot, and they have some weapons. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that there's a lot of – I think there's a good baseline for a guy like Sam Howell. We're going to get into one more guy. Wait, you gotta, he didn't Alex. give Alex his prediction. Alex, okay, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead, Alex. No, I, I agree with you. I think 15, 15 to 40 is the range I'd give him. There's still a lot left to shake out, but I think yeah. I don't think he has the physical uh, skill set either from an athleticism standpoint or an arm strength perspective to be in that top 10. Obviously, it's the quarterback position. Things can get bumped up, but that's that's the range I see. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all pretty much on the same wavelength with a guy like Sam Howell. Wanted to touch on Malik Willis and a few other quarterbacks. Before we do, word from our sponsors. Have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No? What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? 
probably access the companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off their likeness while going to college. If it's simply that you don't have the access to these companies, don't let that keep you from getting from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorship for your collegiate career. As athletes, earning potential is unlimited. Why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help our clients achieve their goals. Just cannot con- just contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. So like I said, wanted to so- jump in to Mr. Malik Willis, of course, quarterback out of Liberty. Um, so the background on him, he spent 2017 and 2018 apart of the um, of uh, what did I just blank Auburn. He was at Auburn. He was behind, he was at Auburn, and he lost the starting quarterback battle to then freshman quarterback Bo Nix going into the 2019 season. So decides to transfer. He has to sit out that year as a redshirt after transferring. So he jumps into the 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 pool per se into the water this year 2020 as a redshirt junior with his first real playing time. He had played some mop-up duty. He had played a little bit at Auburn, but his first starting experience was at Liberty. And he had a dynamic season. A lot of rushing yards, explosive athlete, very strong arm. The highs were absolutely high. But the biggest questions about Malik Willis is there's a lot of variance to him. Like the highs are incredibly high, but man, the lows are painful. If you watch the Virginia Tech game in 2020, you come out of there and you're like, all right, I, I can get there. I can get there with him. But then if you put on the NC State game the same year, brother. <laughs> I, my, the thing I keep saying about it is there are times where he makes easy things look very difficult. And as a quarterback, that is troublesome to me. Does he make difficult things look easy at times? Absolutely he does because he is very talented. But he makes easy things look far too hard way too often. So we want to see an improvement. I will say so far, he has been better in 2021. It's been better. I don't think it's been quite as good as people are acting like it is. But I, again, have to sit down and really deep dive at the end of the season. But I will say he's better. It is better. I graded him as an early three going into the year. Talent level, this kid, in my opinion, could go first round because I think that the talent is all there. This kid have, might have the strongest arm in the, in the draft, him or Carson Strong, in my opinion. He can touch all levels of the field, and he is a dynamic athlete with the football in his hands. So I'm going to throw it over to Alex first, and I think I let David start the last one. Your thoughts on the improvements of Malik Willis in, during the 2021 season? Yeah, I was a big fan of Malik Willis coming into the year. I think this is one of the quarterbacks Liar. that – What? Just we talked man. about that. Yeah, yeah. You had Carson Strong and I had Malik Willis. That's that's who each of us were higher on. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but but you understood where he where he needed to improve, and that was consistency on making the easy throws that you have to make routinely. Um, like you said, Ryan, it, it appears through live watching and you know, watching, you know, the plays that come across the timeline and the highlights and and watching, like I said, these games live that He's doing a better job of that in 2021, which is which is nice. That's what you want to see. And especially because, like we touched on over the summer, Ryan, there's nothing really mechanically that you see that can that's the easy fix. It's like that, hey, this guy just needs a wider base. He needs to stay, you know, keep keep all all his cleats in the ground and and you will see, start to see that improvement. 
it, everything seemed pretty clean for him. It was just you'd misfire on the yeah. easy throws, and I think he's done a better job of that. Arm talent is out of this world. I think from a velocity standpoint, he has the strongest arm in this class. Being able to put you know RPMs on the football highest in the class, um, but you know, obviously the athleticism is otherworldly uh, when you yeah. when you compare him to you know recent draft prospects. I believe the twitch. Um, I think this guy's just as much of a threat. You know, he, he is the he is the epitome of dual threat. Uh, yeah, as a quarterback prospect, so you know him being able to make those easy throws, the routine, you know, RPO concepts, those routine plays you just have to make, you know, play in and play out. I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle for him unlocking what is his astronomical potential. He's not a huge guy from a stature standpoint, but he's thickly built. This guy, this guy has an NFL body. Uh, especially as a, as a runner, this is someone that can that can hold up. Um, the arm strength is astronomical. Like I said, it's really going to come down to can he make the routine plays consistently. And, and if that's the case, this guy can be a plus starter in the NFL and someone that can can take over a franchise from a marketing perspective all the way down to to leading the team out of the out of the tunnel. That's what scared me most about him was. Like from a technical perspective, I thought, I mean, there's always improvements that could happen, but right. like I didn't think there was anything that was like so glaring that you're like, like, like Lamar coming out of Louisville, right? Like you saw him and you're like, his base is too narrow. That's why he is inaccurate at times. Like you saw it. It was easy to see. For a guy like Willis, my biggest question about him was I felt like he didn't know how to change arm speeds. Like there was no pace to how he played the game. There was, he just, struggled to layer the football like he just like everything I felt like was a laser shot which like mm-hmm. okay I get it. you got a strong arm but like there are there are throws where like you need to take a little bit off you need to throw with different um different velocity and different touch and different angle and there's a lot of different things going to the quarterback position uh David how much did you know about Malik Willis going into the year and do you like him I haven't talked to you at all about Malik Willis so love to know yeah I knew zero about him going into the year um, I actually flipped on a game one night. Which one was it? It was um, – good God. Which one? I think it was, was the Troy, Troy. I think it was the Troy game was on for some reason. I don't know. I was just uh, – you know, me just kind of perusing channels and go, let me stop here and see what this one's about. And I was like, well, this kid's got a little something to him. I, I was like, well, let me see what this is about. Um, what I like about this guy is how he – his ball placement. Like, this kid has not thrown an interception this year, okay? He's thrown 11 touchdown passes. He's thrown, you know, over how many attempts? 100 attempts, 107 attempts, and he's thrown zero interceptions this year. And that's a lot of ball placement and taking care of the ball. Um, and, again, last year he threw 20, inter- or 20 pass touchdowns and six interceptions. He had sixty, oh, about a sixty-four percent completion percentage last year. He's at seventy-one this year, so I'm seeing improvements. I'm seeing that he's also run for six touchdowns and has like oh, hundred yards rushing. So this is a guy that can do some stuff like you guys were saying with his feet. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go old school comparison for oh, no. you guys, just so you guys understand. He's about six foot one and two fifteen, right? Six foot verified, two eighteen. Got it. Yeah, Cordell Stewart, 6'1", 218. I think I compared him to Cordell Stewart, I believe, actually, in my report over the summer. So I'm there. So, I'm about to, to look that up. Keep, keep talking. <laughs> Go look that up. But, yeah, he, he, again, and that's when I watched him. 
I was thinking something similarly was like this guy runs the ball well. He can get out of traffic, but he throws well in the run. Like Alex just said, he's got a good base. Lower body isn't thin. It's thick. You know, he can he can get out of some trouble, run out of some arm tackles. And he's very similar to Cordell Stewart. I remember when Cordell came out, everybody questioned if he could be the next level quarterback. This yeah. guy re- really reminds me of him in his mechanics, his running, and, and the leadership. I think his leadership with his team, again, as a former scout, you want your quarterbacks to be natural leaders. And, if you know, the whole room, you can't just have the alpha be the leader. You need all the quarterbacks to be good leadership guys. So, you know, for, for me, this kid, I don't have a first-round grade on him. I don't think he'll go first round. I think this is a mid to late second-round type player. You know, I think that's where he'll wind up. And But – a Cordell Stewart-esque type player. And again, Pittsburgh Steelers are looking for a quarterback, you know, and this, and this will fit their mold. And I'm saying this fits their mold. And if they don't have to take him in the first round and they know they'll get him in the second, that's an entirely – that's a style of player that they would go for and do. And they would take the first-round pick as an O-lineman or a D-lineman, and then the second-round pick would be the quarterback. That's totally something they would do. Um, in their draft strategy. But, again, I like this kid a lot. Like you guys said, he's got a live arm. He's just shorter, uh, which is not my cup of tea, and everybody knows it. But he's built really, really much a lot like Cordell Stewart. And I just texted you over my report, David, on risingdraft.com, and it was a Cordell Stewart comparison. So that a boy. I know I taught you right. We're on the same way, like, man. I will say my only thing I want to add in there, is I think he has a very good chance to go in the first round. I'm not saying that I would take him there. I'm hesitant as hell on Malik Willis. Like I said, I had an early third on him going into the year. And improvements have been made. But still a lot of easy things that are very difficult in my no, opinion. No, again, and like I, the, the trash that went in the first round this year, you know, this is a kid wow. that's not trash. I mean, he's wow. he's good. You know, are, the are level you of Kyle, Kyle trash or – Huh? No, Kyle didn't go first round, by the way. I know, I know, but, I know. Yeah. He made me money, though, so I'm happy with him. <laughs> uh, so David said he thinks he's a second rounder. I think he's going to go in the first round. I could see going into the second, but I do think that he has a chance to go in the first round. Alex, where are you with Malik Willis? Yeah, I think I think this is someone that uh, someone's going to take a chance on late, someone that has a quarterback right now that's aging, Pittsburgh. You know, as someone that we we project is going to finish middle of the pack to, uh, you know, that fringe playoff area of the first round. I think that's a good spot for him. Washington will be a fun spot for him. Uh, so I think I think late first is where I'm pegging him right now. I love it. I love it. And now we want to kind of go into a little more of a rapid fire. We really diagnose those guys pretty deep. We wanted to throw in three more guys. We'll really touch bri- uh, briefly on them. We each kind of picked a guy that we wanted to highlight just a little bit. So I'll do the I'll give the kind of the background on a couple of these guys, and then I'll let the um, whoever picked them kind of go into a little more detail. David said, "Hey, we got to talk about Matt Corral from Ole Miss, right? Like we need to talk about him because he's also a fantastic start. He had extremely high highs in 2020, but then there were two games. And if you want to know the background of Matt Corral, he was once a Florida commit, then he flipped to USC, and then ultimately he ended up at Ole Miss." Uh, was very up and down early in his career, and then he kind of caught on with Lane Kiffin last year, David's favorite coach, Lane Kiffin. And he's done an incredibly well, good job um, last year especially. It showed a lot of 
talent in that old Miss system. He's got kind of that dual threat feel to him. He's a good athlete. He has a good arm. Um, and I think he's I think he's accurate too. I think that everything kind of checks the boxes. But there were two games, two big blemishes last year. Six interceptions in a game against Arkansas and five interceptions in a game against LSU. So he threw 11 of his 14 interceptions in two ball games last year. That is like, you know, you'll see a game sometimes where guys fall apart a little bit. They throw two or three interceptions. You don't see six interceptions too often. And then he followed it up with another five interception game. So highly volatile is a, the term that I would use for Matt Corral. I think there's nice upside there. He's another guy in the same vein of Malik Willis. A little different because Malik is, does not have turnover-worthy throws. He just misses a lot of passes. Matt Corral just has some brain farts, man, that last all game that you're just like, brother, wow. it's going to go in here. Wow. David, David, it's like his brain turns off for games at a time. It's weird. But then other games, he's sharp. Like, no bad decisions, no turnover-worthy throws. So far, has not thrown an interception. So, also a really good start in 2021. David, give me what you think and just a little brief insight into Matt Corral. Yeah, what I like about Matt Corral is maturity. He's maturing. Okay? You saw early in his career, poor decision-making, which school am I going to, cocky, California attitude, walking on Ole Miss, loses a starting job. Now, last year he was 29 touchdowns, uh, 70% 70 completion rate with 14 interceptions. Now this year, I mean, he just went toe-to-toe with Alabama's defense and didn't throw an interception. Okay, that's hard not to do when you're toe-to-toe with Alabama's defense. And, you know, he got he, – he so far has 10 – he has 10 uh, touchdowns on the season. His passing percentage is just under 70%, 69.6. So this is a kid I see maturing. And, he, and you know what? Accountability too. I heard an interview with him this past weekend, and he said, you know what? I was immature. I walked on the campus thinking everything should be mine, and I, I it took some humbling to get where I'm at today. And that is something that, again, when I looked at the camera when he was saying it, I felt that it was an honest thing. Now he's got some tough games coming up. I mean, this is a guy who plays in the SEC, so you're not going to talk about how he's got an ability to have an off week, right? Like, so, I mean, he just played Alabama. They lost. They're 3-1. and one, But here comes Arkansas, Tennessee. LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State late in the year. So how does he close it out is going to really determine where he's at. He's 6'2", 205. I wish he was up around 215, you know, and and be a thicker build, kind of like Malik is. But, again, I'm really excited about this guy. I like the way he spins the ball. I think his decision-making this year is on point, even though, you know, the, the one loss to Alabama, I mean, shit, it's Alabama. Come on. My favorite, and you know, I'm a big background guy, David, so I always have these little weird tidbits, right? Matt Corral was once uh, kicked out of Oaks Christian High School, or he left Oaks Christian, left Oaks Christian High School, um, reportedly because he punched um, he punched um, Wayne Gretzky's son and got in an altercation with him during school, and he was. They should have just sent him to the penalty box. Just sent him yes. to the penalty box. Uh, good pun there. That was a good pun. Um, real quick, David, how high do you think he could go? This is a kid that if he finishes the season strong, like yeah. seriously, he can go first round. He, he's got a lot of hype behind him right now. He's got a lot of people that are like open-eyed about him. Yeah. Now he has to do it during the SEC season. He's got to finish the season strong and show that he can win these SEC games and not just fall apart. But I mean, this is a kid, again, Houston Texans, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, 
you know, New York Giants. I mean, they all should be looking hard into this kid and what he's about. So the guy I wanted to highlight was a guy that I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we had Tony Rassiopi on, and he actually gave us a little insight into him. And I actually mentioned him last week on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect podcast, a guy that's growing on me. I was not a Kenny Pickett guy going into the year, man. I was absolutely not. He's just been kind of the same guy for multiple years at Pittsburgh. This year, he's taken a dramatic step forward. I think he only has one interception to date, like 17 touchdown passes. He's off to a fantastic start for Pitt. And he's a guy that I, I felt like I saw him early on in his career. I was like, you know, he's just kind of a small, tough kid, but like, does he have any traits? Measured in oh, a hair over six foot three. He's continued to grow. 219 pounds, has a little bit of small hands, which worries me a little bit with ball security issues, but he has got a plus arm, in my opinion. I think that this kid throws a lot more pace than I thought he had in, in his toolbox. Good athlete. And he has improved now. He's taken a dramatic jump. Before the season, I would have probably told you late day three, I think, Kenny Pick. Now, I think he could go late day two. I think that this kid might have the opportunity to go in the third round. I compared him to, and when I say that as a caveat, I think that he's a long-term backup who could be a spot starter in, in instances. And I think stylistically, he reminds me of Matt Moore that played with Miami for a while. And every time Matt Moore got an opportunity, good football player. Good, good, good. But he's always a backup. You know, he's always a really good high-end backup. You never want him to be the starter long-term, and I think that's what you're going to get with Kenny Pickett. But going into the year, was not a fan. Now I like him a little bit. So like I said, I think he can go somewhere in the third round. I think that's very possible late day two type of player. Alex, you're going to kick us off with the last guy of the night. You wanted to just highlight real quick Desmond Ritter. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, you, you can't talk about the quarterback class and not talk about Desmond Ritter. This is someone oh, you that... Can. You can. I, I tried to tonight. <laughs> I mean, you did. You totally tried to do that tonight. Yeah, I know, and I couldn't let him have it. We have to at least bring him up and kind of give some assessment of, of Ritter to this point. This is someone that, going into the year, we, we compared to Kellen Mond, someone that's a longtime starter at his program that has all the physical – talent to 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 play well in the NFL but just hasn't been able to put it all together and play with consistency and I, I think we're still seeing that to some degree I think it's a little better this year but still not the strides you want to see um, you know as a fifth year senior kind of taking on the reins of that Cincinnati offense with the talent that they have relative to the competition they're playing obviously they've come off uh, you know a big game against Notre Dame this past weekend where they got the win I just don't think he played as cleanly as the win would Say, I guess, is the, is the way I want to put it. Indicate, indicate. indicate. That's the word I was looking for. As the win would indicate, he, it wasn't as clean of a game for him. This is someone that still struggles with accuracy down the football field. And for someone to to have the athleticism and arm talent that he does, consistency on the deep ball is something that you're going to have to have uh, if, if you want to take strides to being, you know, thought of as a starter at the next level. I think this is someone that you're always going to think of as a developmental quarterback. This is going to go on for, for the next couple of years in my mind. Yeah. Just as a person that saw him live against Notre Dame, I would just like to say, Desmond Ritter, it's not it, man. Just not just it. Just a guy. Yeah. Just, just a guy. Like, he's been the same guy for literally four years. So, he's well, a bad player. Really quick about player. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. He's got 19 touchdown throws this year and only one interception. And I was in the Western Michigan game where he threw six touchdown passes. Yeah. You know, this is a kid that, He's humming the ball, and like you said, 
if it's uh, if, it, if you got a solid quarterback and you're and this kid's staring you in the face in the third round for some reason, he didn't yep. get picked up in the second. You really got to think hard about taking him because this could back up your your backup. I mean, he's way better than Heineke. I'll be honest with you. He's he's way better than Heineke. He he like you compared to Matt Moore. Matt Moore is one of the top backup quarterbacks right now, or at, at his time, I should say, when he was there. And I think this would be a guy that again, if he's sitting behind your starter, yeah, you're happy. You're a happy oh, quarterback. Sure. Yeah. He's one of those guys, David, that like you could forget that he's been on your team for like six, seven years as the backup, but like he's just always made you feel happy, man. Like, Bruce Gronkowski. Bruce Bruce Gronkowski. That's who this kid personality wise and stuff. He's gritty. He's tough. You put him remember Bruce was a backup to Ben Roethlisberger forever. Yeah. Forever, right? And then it's just like, you know, we had him in Oakland. I mean, Bruce was just always around. He kicked around and kicked around. But when he came in the game, he knew his game plan. He picked it up. He won you a couple games till the starter can come back. I mean, that that's a not, it's not a bad life to live, guys. <laughs> Greg Cow- Dude, I just love Bruce Gretkowski when he was at Toledo. I remember him. He was at Toledo, and then Dan Orvlosky was at uh, UConn at the time, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, just remember, I used to associate them so much with the ski at the end. I don't know why, but anyway. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody for taking a deep dive to the 2022 uh, NFL draft, specifically the quarterbacks working time here on Mav Sports Take. Going to give our guys a quick, you know, 30 seconds to kind of give their final thoughts of the night. But I want to thank you again for taking the time and ask you if you could please like, share, review this podcast, give us a nice rating. We really appreciate it. Helps us continue to grow. Shout out to one institution and all the things that they are doing over there for us on this network. We really appreciate just, again, each and every week come with positive energy, positive interactions. We've heard great. There's been a lot of downloads of the show. It continues to increase and increase, and we thank you all so much. My closing thoughts of the night. Hey, man, uh, finally really nice to start to talk about some 2022 NFL draft prospects. I know I drive David crazy with it, but this is where the passion lies, man, the NFL draft and being able to evaluate players. A lot of cool things happening at RiseandDraft.com if you want to go check that out. From a database to a mock draft simulator to reports to daily content, go check that out. I'm going to kick it over to Alex, our great guest. Thank you again, Alex, for taking the time tonight. And then I'll end with David. But we really do appreciate you hopping on talking to quarterbacks, Alex. Yeah, no, I appreciate y'all having me. It's always fun to talk, uh, you know, the upcoming draft classes. We have so much left to digest, uh, you know, and dissect. Um, But, you know, this year's quarterback class as a whole – it's a little bit – I know David hated the 2021 class. Obviously, he keeps talking about it. But uh, I think this is definitely a step below what we had in last year's class. So if you hated last year, there's one thing I learned. This year sucks. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, last year I couldn't believe all these quarterbacks went in the top 10, top 15. And I just remember, like, Drew Brees went in the second round. Second round yeah. You know what I mean? I've, I've graded some great quarterbacks that I – would put in the first round and they had less holes than these kids had last year. And I was just like, I can't believe these guys are actually going first round, but the need is so great because there there hasn't been a lot of young arm talent entering in the NFL for a few years. I mean, think about it guys forever. We had Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Brett Favre and, you know, yeah. And Phillip (laughs) rivers and Eli Manning, I mean, that that was the talent. That's all we talked about. Aaron Rodgers, you know, when he got his shot and now Russell Wilson and stuff. So you got to replenish. And right now there's some people that are trying to replenish. And, again, we just went through the rosters just, you know, quickly. Look at the bottom end of the NFL right now. The bottom teams, they're not really getting good quarterback play. 
So, yeah. you know, these guys are going to have a shot at being up top and, uh, and moving forward. But I, you know what, Alex, we're going to have to have you on and go over some more positions because, you know, I really want to dive into the running back group with you guys. I've really been impressed with the young kid out of De- uh, Texas and a few of the other kids that are, uh, that are out there. I think there's this running back group could wind up being a really solid one. So, um, just what I'm taking from, from, from what I'm looking at so far. But my final thought is just, you know, everybody stay safe out there. Don't get caught up in too much bullshit that's going on and around, you know, stay, stay true to your core values and, and, you know, keep it positive, keep it, keep it always uh, on the upbeat and uh, stay out, stay out of trouble. Also, you know, if you ever need any help, Maverick Sports Consulting, we, we have sports consulting in there. But if you know somebody that's looking for interview training, looking to advance in their career, looking to get a different job, they need us to go through some stuff that they're going through or they want a, a, a promotion at work and they want to know how to catch their boss's attention, please let us know. We're all about helping you out. If you're a high school coach and you want us to have help come in, talk to your kids, do a virtual with your kids about you know, preparing for going to the next level, the transfer portals, whatever it is, a wealth of knowledge is here at Maverick Sports Consulting, and we really have developed it just to give back to people. Yes, we are, we're a business. We have to make some money on it, but it was developed with the spirit of giving back all the years of knowledge that I've obtained and my, my, my staff's obtained to give back and help people be successful in their careers. So take advantage of it. Go to Maverick Sports Consulting today. MaverickSportsConsulting.com. Head there today. Also love the mention of the Eli, the 2004 class. It would be the Eli Manning, the Philip Rivers, the Ben Roethlisberger. My early claim to fame, David, when I was a young 13-year-old lad, was that I said that uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers would both be better than Eli Manning, and I was correct on that. But thank you all again for taking. Not really. Up. Eli's got two Super Bowl rings. Eli, they won despite of Eli. Anyway, oh, we're, 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 we're going to add this. We're going to add this later today. Thank you all for showing in. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Stay safe, folks. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.